One Hope Church. All right, good morning. It's a privilege to be here with you this morning and to uh, continue our study from the Gospel of John. We're in John chapter 18 um, this morning. The last um, three weeks, we've had Marcus and, and Derek have preached um, out of chapters 16 and 17. And uh, Jesus' last um, words to his disciples before um, he goes to the cross and he's given them instruction. Remember, he's um, washed the feet of the disciples. He's given them another great example of what it is to, to serve um, he's going to make the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate service uh, for them and for us as he goes to the cross. And he uh, gives them instructions. He tells them that there will be tough times. Um, and then he tells them also that the Holy Spirit will be with them and will enter them. And that, um, you know, they have reason for, for hope. Um, they have reason for hope. Um, despite the darkness, despite opposition, um, despite hardship in this world, that they have reason to hope. And our hope ultimately is Jesus himself. And so let's read just the first three verses of John chapter 18. He said, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning as we look into your word. We pray that you would fill us with your truth and with your love. With your grace, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would work in us, that we would be convicted of anything we need to be convicted of, um, and that we would follow you um, fully with our whole hearts. Help us to do that, Lord. Uh, Jesus, we're thankful for what you endured um, at the cross. Uh, For us, as we read about the beginning of your trial this morning, we pray, Lord, that we would be um, reverent, that we would be... um, in awe of your great love for us. And so we thank you this morning, Jesus, for your love. And it's in your precious name that we pray. Amen. And so we see here at the beginning of John chapter 18 that Jesus took his disciples over the brook Kidron to a garden, to the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, And John doesn't write about all the the prayer that happens you know there as as jesus goes um, by himself to pray as the disciples fall asleep and and those scenes he doesn't give that um part of the story but he does tell us this that um there's judas who had betrayed him and he and that judas knew the place because this is a place that jesus um, took his disciples too often it was a place where they could get away Um, So, you know, when they were in the upper room and Jesus had this meeting with them and they they left, they crossed, um, you know, over the brook Kidron that's in the Kidron Valley um, east of Jerusalem. And so they went a little bit east. They walked that direction. 
um, toward the Mount of Olives where Jesus would ascend um, into heaven and, and where one day he will you know, return as king. And so he took them to this place. And it's just interesting thinking about this brook Kidron, a, a, um, a little bit of water, but was important. Uh, Hezekiah had diverted um, water from the from that brook to go through a, a tunnel for the pool of Siloam um, under the city, so that they would have a, a source of water in in time of um, of trouble or time of, of siege. And so. Um, my wife and I have actually been in that tunnel, which is pretty pretty awesome. Um, but at that Brook Kidron, we see back in Second Samuel something interesting had happened there. If you remember um, when Absalom, the son of David, um, you know, had visions of grandeur and wanted to be king himself, how um, when when David was aware of that rebellion and that Absalom had the hearts of the people, David took his, those who, who, who um, were loyal to him and he crossed the, the brook of Kidron. And when he, as he's crossing the brook of Kidron is where he receives word that his trusted advisor Ahithophel had betrayed him and had sided with Absalom. So that's kind of an interesting thing that this this is a a brook that has a lot to do with with betrayal. And remember, it's Jesus who's going to who ultimately um, sits on the throne of King of King David. He is you know the, well even higher. He's the ultimate King of Kings, but he is the one who comes. To reign, the one who that that fulfillment, that promise, that one would come and sit on the throne of David forever and ever. It's Jesus who fulfills that, who ultimately will fulfill that. So where Ahithophel betrayed King David and sided with Absalom, here Judas betrays King Jesus and sides with Satan. There's another interesting event that happens in. Um, a time of, of repentance, a time of reform in the in the nation of, of Israel when Josiah is king. In 2 Kings chapter 23, we see the righteous king Josiah set many things right. Uh, it says even his, you know, his grandmother had, had worshipped false idols, but you know he did not, and, and he tore down what she had made. She had made one of these um, Asherah poles, uh, 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 you know, a, a sexual object. And Josiah, the grandson, you know, has it cut down and and destroyed. There's a lesson there. Again, you know, because uh, because many times people are um, they have this barrier when it comes to follow Jesus because they say, well, to follow Jesus then that means I have to say that my ancestors were wrong. Well, you wouldn't be alone if that's your if that's, if that's your situation. Or you meet anybody in that situation, they wouldn't be alone because, you know, th- th- this is true. Everybody who follows Jesus 
um, especially if they're the first in their family, the first in a long time who's followed Jesus, has to, to look back and say, my ancestors were wrong. You could also look back and find a common ancestor of us who was right. Because we are one human race and we are descendants of Adam and Eve. And so we have some righteous people in common, regardless of our culture, regardless of our heritage. But, you know, we shouldn't be afraid. People shouldn't be afraid to say, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus, even that if that means I have to throw away the human traditions of my parents or my grandparents or my great grandparents. Those traditions cannot be held sacred or cannot be held higher than Jesus is. He is the ultimate. So King Josiah gives a great example of that because he had to take the the false faith of his grandmother and say, that's false. And I'm not going to do that. I'm going to follow the true and living God. It took courage for Josiah to be on the side of what was right. And what he did, and, and how this affects, goes back to the Brook Kidron here, some of those um, altars, many things were pulverized, they were smashed, they were burned in the Valley of Kidron, but even there were a couple of altars, of false altars that were set up at the temple, false things, false altars to false gods, and he pulverized them and scattered their dust over the Brook Kidron. And here we see Jesus has to travel across the brook Kidron, going to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he's going to take that cup that has been given to him to drink that cup of suffering on our behalf. And, and we see something here. He had to pass over the the, the brook of Kidron in, in, in a certain way here, I think, representing... You know, the the false worship and the false idols of the people, of the nation, through its history. You see, because we're asking that question, why did Jesus have to go to the cross? Jesus had to go to the cross because of the sinfulness of Israel and the sinfulness of all nations. Jesus had to go to the cross because humans are rebellious. Jesus had to go to the cross because humans set up false gods, make their own gods, and bow down and worship them. Because people will take a piece of wood and carve it and do all the work and then bow down before it. Because they'll take a piece of silver or gold and melt it and form it and shape it and then bow down and worship it. And you say, oh, well, you know, most of us in the United States, we don't do that sort of thing. Well, you can worship an idea just as much as you can worship a carved wooden image. And so Jesus had to pass over the brook of Kidron. And ultimately, he would have to take on himself all the sins that that represented. And he would have to take on your sins and my sins. 
as well. Verse 4, Jesus therefore knowing all things that they would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to him, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Jesus showed just a little bit of his power. The lion of the tribe of Judah gave just a bit of his roar. And those men who came with their weapons, that crowd that far outnumbered, Jesus and the few disciples there in the garden, Jesus and the 11. They all fell back at the sound of his voice. And that was just a small bit of his roar because if he had wanted to, he could have roared in such a way that they would have turned to dust. That they would have become nothing. And then he asked them again, whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled, which he spoke of those whom you gave me. I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. Right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Now, John doesn't record um, the rest of this part of the scene, but Luke, um, being the most detailed and a doctor, records the fact that Jesus healed this man's ear, that he healed the ear of Malchus. In verse 12, then the detachment of troops and the captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him and that led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Now it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. So just to give us a, just a little bit of history there very briefly, um, Annas had been appointed as high priest by Quirinius, governor of Syria, um, a couple of decades earlier. And in the Old Testament, you know, normally when somebody became high priest, they became high priest for life. But the Romans, at this point, as they occupy Israel, they are the ones who are appointing who the high priest is. And even that gives you a, a sense of reason why those who were zealous called zealots, who were Israelites, who were zealous for their their nation, even that, you know, would be abhorrent to them that the Roman, invade, the invading Romans would be the ones who would tell them who the high priest was going to be. And that it would change. I mean, that's, then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter, Peter stood and warmed himself, and therefore they said to him, you are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. And so, here we are with the second denial of Jesus. Remember what Jesus had prophesied concerning Peter and at the, the Last Supper. 
And it says in verse 26, one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, said, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately a rooster crowed. So here we have the, the failure of Peter that under pressure, you know, remember Peter, bold and outspoken. Remember Peter's the one that said he would die with Jesus, that he wasn't afraid to die with Jesus, but when the rubber met the road and the pressure was on him and Jesus is on trial and those others are there and he could be put on trial too and he, you know, grasped with the reality of his own mortality. He denies Jesus in order to save his own flesh. In order to save his own life. Self-preservation. Now, we're not going to go all into it this morning because there's, you know, later in the, in the book, we know we have the restoration of, of Peter and his fellowship. And then at Pentecost, we have him preach in power, not afraid, but willing to die. And ultimately does die for the name of Jesus. So what changed him? Two things changed Peter. One is he saw the resurrected Lord. If Jesus had not been risen from the dead, then Peter would have always, he would have stayed a coward. He would have no reason to not be one if it wasn't true. And then also, he was filled with the Holy Spirit of power. So we have seen since Peter, many martyrs for Jesus, many who would be unwilling to deny him, but instead willing to die for him, even in our own generation, even in these days around the world, there are followers of Jesus who are willing to die for his name. So a picture on uh, somebody, had, a friend had, had shared on Facebook this, this week of a man being drawn out, I mean, he, you know, stretched out, laid across these pieces of wood while another man has a whip taking it to his back and he received those lashes for taking communion in Iran you see you see a lot and and in this pandemic yeah it's it's less convenient to to you know Currently, and we may change this at some point, not far from here, but, you know, to bring your own communion, to take your own bread and cup in your car and, and, and to do that, it's a little bit inconvenient, it's extra steps. Would you be willing to be beaten in order to take it this morning? Would you take blows on your back with a whip? For the privilege to remember Jesus as Jesus asked to be remembered.
You see, we all hoped that we would do better than Peter did when that moment of trial came to him, when that time of trial came and he was pushed on what he believed and who he believed in and he failed, we would expect better because we have met the risen Lord. If you're a follower of Jesus today, you've met the risen Lord and you've received the Holy Spirit. So therefore, we should do better than Peter did in a moment of pressure. And you see, Peter's pressure was really intense. His pressure was really intense because again, he could be put on trial with Jesus. He could be crucified next to Jesus. And what are our trials? Somebody tells a dirty joke. And do you laugh or not laugh? Or you say, I don't, I don't laugh at things like that. And that person gives you a side eye. It's a little bit different than what real persecution is. How do you stand? When your colleagues agree that what God has said is sin, what do you do? Do you agree? Do you stay silent? Or do you speak up? And we need to understand this clearly, folks. You see, it's easy to stand up for what's right when everybody agrees that that's what's right. It's easy to say something's wrong when everybody agrees with you that that's what's wrong. It's even easy to disagree if the people that you're disagreeing with you don't respect and don't have anything that they can do that can hurt you. But what's difficult is to stand up when it's going to cost you something. When, the, when you have to stand up when it goes against what the majority is saying. When you have to stand up when it could cost you and could cost you dearly. That is when you find out. And so people who say, well, if I had lived back in the times of slavery, I would have been an abolitionist. If I had lived back in the times of the 60s, I would have marched. This is the question I ask us. Point to a time in your life when people you cared about their opinion or the people had great power over you and you went the other direction. And if you cannot give a clear example, you cannot have any confidence that you would do the right situation, do the right thing in a situation that would cost you much more. See, that's just word games. That's just saying, this is what I would have done. Folks, unless you've done it, you don't know what you would have done. If you haven't passed a small test, 
where it costs you a little bit, how do you think you would cost pass the big test where it would cost you a lot? If you haven't passed the little test, what makes you think that if you were in Iran or China or North Korea and somebody had a gun to your head and say, deny Jesus or die, that you would have the courage to say, I'm ready to go meet Jesus. If in your classroom, you're going to regurgitate lies back to the professor because that's what the professor wants in order to give you the grade that you want to get. And you're not even want to. You're not even willing to put an asterisk and a caveat that says this is the answer you want for the test. But I don't believe this because, and your why. If at your place of work you're asked to do something unethical and you go along with it because you're afraid you won't get promoted, are you really going to be able to stand for Jesus? When something more important is on the line. We have to be faithful in the small test. So that we build up some spiritual calluses. And some spiritual fortitude. So that when the big test come, we don't shrink back. And deny that we ever knew him. Have you been battle tested? Have you passed the test? Are you ready for the next test? Because again, here's the deal. You see, in his flesh, see, Peter's operating in his flesh, not in the spirit, when he denies Jesus three times. See, in the flesh, we're all weak. There are few who have courage. I mean, there's some who can muster up enough to fight in a battle and everything else. Yeah, I get that. But what we're talking about here in terms of being willing to die for Jesus or or being willing just to stand for him in a situation will cost you just a little bit. We have to be filled with the spirit and live in the spirit. Not relying on our flesh because our flesh fails. Our flesh is weak. So even if you pass tests before, there's no place for pride. Because if it's not for the grace of God, if it's not for the work of the Holy Spirit, if it's not for being open to that work of God in you, you would fail too. There, but for the grace of God, go on. And so there's no place for pride in it. Even when we pass the test. But there is a place for thankfulness. So may God give us courage and strength and boldness. But again, be humble. Don't assume victory. Do not be proud as one who has been in battle battle and returned victorious. When you haven't been in the battle yet. And for those who are in the battle, don't grow weary in doing good. But so much the more as you see the day approaching. Like be of good courage. Courage. 
in Jesus, be of good strength. But don't acquiesce. Don't give in. Because the issues and ideas of our world are always going to be changing. There's times when the, our world will, will agree with you on some things and disagree with other things and then they'll ch- change their minds on, on those things. That should not matter to us one bit. Should not matter to us one iota what the world thinks. What matters to us is what Jesus thinks. What's his opinion? His is the only one that matters. Verse 28, then they led him. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium and it was early morning, but they themselves did not go into the praetorium lest they should be defiled, that they might eat this pass- the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? Just hold on for one second. I got to just take take 30 seconds here, folks. Those... Those, those Jewish leaders who took Jesus from Caiaphas to the Praetorium, the Roman center of power there, wouldn't go into the Gentiles' place because they didn't want to defile themselves before they took the Passover. You see, because in their minds, get this, it wasn't their plot to commit murder that would defile them from taking the Passover. It wasn't their plot to commit murder. It was that they would go into the place of Gentiles that would defile them. Y'all get that? You see, that's what we call playing games with religion. That's just playing games. Jesus accused them of this earlier, talking to them about being a brood of vipers. You know, who will keep these minutiae things of the law, but forget the weightier matters like justice. How many people, well, if they could get into their buildings this morning, would go in their Sunday best? Not worried about the dark heart that the clothes cover. Pilate said, what accusation do you bring of this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Now, how is that for evidence? (laughs) We're not right because we have truth and justice on our side. We're right positionally because, you know, we brought him to, so obviously he's guilty. Then Pilate said to them, you take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore, the Jews said to him, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. That's again, according to the Roman law. That the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. Because crucifixion was the way of the Romans. 
verse 33, Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? See, but you notice how Jesus answers the question with a question. What's your interest level here, Pilate? You know, are you speaking for yourself about this or did others tell you this concerning me? Jesus answered his question about when they say your nation has condemned you. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Now, Jesus, again, does not shrink back saying from who he is, but he's got, I've got a different kingdom. It's from a different place. And he says, this is the reason I was born. And, but notice this, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Now, what does Pilate say to this? Pilate, verse 38. What is truth? What is truth? And we said this to him. He went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Then they all cried again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Think about that. They wanted a, a actual criminal released so that they could kill the one who was innocent. But just a moment here on Pilate's response, what is truth? Man, that sounds so postmodern, doesn't it? It's like, there's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> what is truth? Question, objective reality. What is truth? Remember Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. But you see, Pilate was not interested in truth. Pilate was interested in power. And even though he knows that Jesus is innocent and Barabbas is guilty, that doesn't matter. Giving the mob what the mob wants in order to keep Pilate in power is what Pilate wants to do. He doesn't care about truth, he cares about power. You see, because if he cared about truth, he would have stood up to the mob and said, no, you're wrong. But he didn't care to stand up to the mob and say, no, you're wrong. He just wanted to say, whatever you want, as long as it keeps the peace. See, because there's an issue for Pilate that if there's a rebellion, if there's an insurrection, then he, he knows he's replaceable. Rome can send an order, Caesar can send an order and have him removed from his position and somebody else put into that place. He likes his way of life. He likes the privileges that he has. He likes the comforts that he has. And he's not willing to sacrifice that for truth. 
He'd rather an innocent man die and he retain power than for an innocent man to be spared and for him to lose power. Again, it's easy to go along with the crowd and to do whatever the crowd wants you to do. It's difficult to stand up for what's right when what is right is not trending. Followers of Jesus today need to be strong in faith, wise and discerning. Not just taking everything at face value, but looking at the root of things. We need to be loving and compassionate. We need to be committed to truth and unwilling to compromise with lies. We have to maintain commitment to Jesus and to his teaching above all else. Remember that Jesus will return as the righteous king. And as the righteous king, Josiah, pulverized the false altars and cast the dust into the brook of Kidron. So will Jesus tear down every false altar altar and every false idol of man and he will pulverize them he will scatter that dust psalm 2 says why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the lord and against his anointed saying let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us but he who sits in the heavens laughs the lord holds them in derision Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is kindled, is quickly kindled. And blessed are all who take refuge in him. Psalm chapter 2. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Pilate was not wise. He didn't understand who had real power. He had opportunity. He had opportunity to live in the truth and to follow the truth. And instead, he just took the cop out. What is truth? It's a cop out. It's self-serving. And Jesus will return as king. And blessed are all who take refuge in him. Have you taken refuge in Jesus? Is your life and your eternity secure in him and in his name? Because the nations plot in vain. They rage, the nations range, the people's plot in vain. 
and the kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together. So the questions before us today, as for all followers of Jesus, since the first followers of Jesus, where is your allegiance? What is truth? What cost are you willing to pay? Thankfully, Jesus was willing to pay the cost for our salvation. This morning as we take the bread and the cup and we ask Jesus to examine our hearts and we confess our sins and if you're like me, that's that's frequent a need, you have a frequent need to confess sin. But as you take that bread and cup this morning, it's good to ask for God's help and for strength and for courage, for wisdom, for discernment, to be full of the Spirit and full of love. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you now and we thank you that your word is truth. Jesus, we thank you that you are truth. We are thankful that there is truth and life and life eternal that is available in your name and only in your name. We thank you, Jesus, that you are willing to pay the price. As we take the bread and the cup this morning, we give thanks that you paid the price, that you went to the cross on our behalf. And we're thankful for all those who came before us who were willing to pay a price so that we could have your word in our own languages. They're willing to pay a price so that we could have the word written. They're willing to pay a price so that they would, we are, someone before us had been preached to or someone shared with us. We are thankful for all who came before us who paid a price. And for the good of those in this generation and for those who to come behind us, help us to be willing to pay the price. In your name, Jesus, we ask it. Amen.